I've been thinking a lot about planning, planning campaigns, planning for... That sounds boring. (laughs) And the next segment... uh... (laughs) What's going on, you guys and gals? Nail Social Office Hours, Episode 7. Ladies and germs, (laughs) welcome back. You know what that means. What does episode seven mean? Uh, this is our first episode with our intern, Alexia, looking yes. over. She's going to make everything better, you guys. We'll bring She's her in for it. the after show, and you guys can meet Alexia. Mm-hmm. And we have a special treat. Um, before we get into any of the super social stuff, we have... Um, well, in the after show, last time we talked about the semi-disaster with North Face <laughs> and Wikipedia and... And how that relates to PR and social as well. And it turns out we actually know someone who's pretty good at PR. How about that? His name is actually Mike PR. <laughs> yeah, this is, that's not his official name, but this that's is what, what we call him. We're trying to make that a thing. I think we are. <laughs> It'll he be a doesn't thing. Seem, he doesn't seem ecstatic. I'm looking over at him, but we're going to try. Well, unfortunately, it's not up to him. <laughs> so um, we are going to, we bring in, we're going to bring in Mike. Um, Rachel, do you want to drop the headphones over? <laughs> I'll let, I'll let Mike introduce himself a little bit, and then we'll get into what happened uh, last week with, uh, with Wikipedia and North Face. So, Mike, who are you, and what are you doing here? Who am I? I am Mike Raya. I'm the new-ish uh, head of Nail PR, which is the uh, new company within Nail that does strategic communications, crisis communications, traditional public relations, and basically any. Thing that you don't need to necessarily pay for nice. that you're not doing on your own. Um, and I'll yell at any reporter you need me to. Nice. Do you know why we call you Mike PR? I want to know if the PR uh, is the PR standing for public relations or is this an inside joke? I don't know yet. No, it, it stands for public relations. <laughs> but you're familiar with Charlie and the Chocolate Factory? Yes, Mike TV. Mike TV. I like it. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> um, so. Um, yeah, the reason why I wanted to bring you in is because you're, you're an expert on PR and this issue with North Face and Wikipedia has a lot of PR tendrils to it. I wanted to get your take on it. So I'm just going to quickly do a recap of what happened. So essentially, um, North Face, their agency, Leo Burnett, they created a campaign where the insight, and I'm using uh, strong air quotes here, the insight is they could game Google image search SEO by changing Wikipedia's image on a page that's like Cabo or Guarido State to something that is their own, that has North Face product placement in it. So what they did is they sent photographers to all these different locations and they shot these beautiful images of of these peninsulas and these landmarks, except they all have like a hiker in it that's wearing North Face or a tent that has the North Face logo in it or something like that. And then they took those images and they replaced the ones that are already in Wikipedia because anyone can sort of replace anything there with these other images. Um, total violation of Wikipedia's terms of service and the spirit of Wikipedia as well. And then, so they did that. Apparently that was a success who knows what the ROI of that is. I think it's kind of a disaster. But then the agency had to make a video about it. And with agencies, it's like nothing is truly a success unless you can talk about it yourself. You know, unless you can 
attribute it back to the agency. They don't really see it. Like if you do, if you have a, a success in secret, it's not really a success in terms of agencies. Totally. It's like the minute I saw this, and, and I actually give them a little bit of credit. I think it is somewhat of a clever approach mm -hmm. and totally unethical, totally outside the lane of what Wikipedia is built on and also what North Face is built on. And North Face is, I put them not necessarily at that pantheon of Patagonia, but a brand that lives and breathes the ethos of their customer of leave no trace, get outdoors, follow those unwritten rules. Mm -hmm. But to me, when Burnett puts this video out, it's like that scene in Goodfellas where the guy buys the fur coats for his wife right after they're all saying, don't <laughs> tell anybody. Exactly, like, exactly. Why do they need to go out and throw it all out there? Because most people are not speaking this kind of corporate or advertising speak. Mm -hmm. And even though it was at age that broke it, the New York Times had it within a day and a half after that. Then Outside Magazine got it, which mm -hmm. is like, that's where you're really going to piss off some of the people who really want to be supportive of your brand. Right. Not for doing anything necessarily nefarious. They didn't go and spray paint something on Half Dome. They didn't do anything where they were going to put their... That, disrupt the outdoors they put themselves right into it mm -hmm. but it's a just bragging about it is yeah. where i i see the the papa and really that's where they made the mistake this could have easily been something where if they didn't put the video out if they did if if burnett didn't try to, to to flaunt the fur coats after robbing the bank right they would have been able to navigate this and someone probably would have flagged it at one point or another and there would have been another apology mm -hmm. um i do think it's interesting and I can think this is where my head always starts to go up when you're in these situations how do you mitigate it how do you move through it to get it off the pages and right. it's been I, right before we started this it looks like the Times article was the the end of May we're a week and a half after it or a week mm -hmm. after it now and people aren't talking about it as much I haven't yeah. seen it in my social feed right. and I think North Face did ran a pretty solid crisis communications 101. All right. Well, let me get into what, what North Face did yeah. in terms of their apology. Um, so, um, well, just to back up, Leo Burnett made this this case study where they told people what it is. They said they hacked um, Wikipedia, and they also worked with Wikipedia. That was a lie. Um, I also think it was, it was really interesting where, in this case, what Leo Burnett did um, Wikipedia immediately reverted those images. So in the in the Goodfellas, it's like not only do you let people know that you did this, but you have to return the fur coat because you don't even get to use all the value mm -hmm. of the original campaign to begin with. So Wikipedia put up some tweets where they sort of eviscerated um, North Face and Leo Burnett, said they were defaced, I'm totally against their missions, etc. And then the North Face put up a reply to that tweet where they said, we deeply believe in Wikipedia's mission and apologize for engaging in activity inconsistent with those principles. Effective immediately, we have ended the campaign and moving forward, we'll commit to ensuring that our teams and vendors are better trained on site policies. Um, now, as a consumer, this irritates me because obviously you know what site policies are. I mean, this had to have been discussed that if this was totally against Wikipedia's thing. So this feels disingenuous. I, I mean, where I really thought was egregious was the video saying that they did it in collaboration with yeah, Wikipedia. For sure. The, and any comms guy is going to tell you, or comms professional is going to tell you, don't ever lie because yeah. you're going to get called out on it. You're going to, or you're going to get caught in it. So that was the, just 
to me, the biggest piece of malpractice mm-hmm. within it. And the I was actually surprised that within that, that North Face wasn't more aggressive in putting this back at Burnett. What yeah. they have done a decent job of, and, and you know, this is where it's the, the, the air has come out of it a bit, is they put out their statement relatively quickly. It seems as though their communications team or their corporate communications team worked trade press behind the scenes and did a decent amount of background conversation. Because when you look at the time story, when you look at outside magazine, uh, when you look at edge, they do a pretty good job of getting high up into those stories that North face in Brazil is actually an independent distributor. It's not really a part of the umbrella of the actual company. And then they, pivot pretty quickly to punch Burnett back in the nose and saying that this was their video, not North Face's video, which has answered any of the questions that are out there yeah. about it um, and allowed it to, to dissipate to, to the extent it has. And I think the campaign came from a Brazilian outfit of Leo Burnett as well. Oh, God, I didn't, I, I didn't make that connection, but that would make sense. Yeah. So now as a consumer, I have to get angry, not at like this big brand i have to get angry at a brazilian outfit of the advertiser doesn't feel nearly as satisfying no but (laughs) although in all of this i've learned that the company that oversees or that that uh north face is a part of because me as i'm going out and hiking half dome with my family a year and a half ago went out got the north face stuff thinking that i was part of this niche company in the outdoors i found out they make lee jeans wrangler jeans and all of these other like just yeah random random clothing brands mm-hmm. um it just goes to show how big yeah. and, and and tight all of these things are but at the same time how connected we are with that little logo or with that right. that brand that's on there because there is something that when i'm out and and hiking i am it's i've got the rei backpack i've got the north face uh rain jacket i've got the patagonia hat like there's something of, of i want to know that the brands that i'm wearing when i'm doing that are in that kind of mentality with me right. um which again goes back to it just it seems so off-putting and off-brand right for north face to do this thing where they violated an unwritten rule particularly within a community on wikipedia which is very similarly minded mm-hmm. to a leave no trace ethos of an organization that's in the outdoors what about giving money to wikipedia i mean obviously they ask for money all the time mm-hmm. i mean should they have done that or? I don't know. I mean, I think they're in, in terms of what the, the kind of crisis response or what the, the reactive response to it is, they addressed it. They said that they follow, that they're going to be better about making sure that their vendors are aware of it. I don't, I think that philosophically there's a connection between the kind of organic editing on Wikipedia and the leave no trace of the outdoor community. But I don't necessarily think that it speaks to the same audience. And some of what you need to think through when you're doing a crisis response or a a reactive response is knowing and understanding what the profile of your audience is. And it will help you gauge whether or not to respond or how to respond. And I think in this circumstance, it's people who follow or, or, or people who are really loyal to a North Face brand, they might think it was shitty that they did what they did, but they're not necessarily going to lose sleep over that kind of approach. They're more concerned with, are you going to still stand up for environmental protection? Are you going to be, continue to be a part of the Protect Our Parks program? Yeah. And their subsequent tweets were all about that too. Mm -hmm. So, um, 
So let me get your live take on Leo Burnett, Leo Burnett's apology, because I feel like it's they didn't learn anything. And this this apology is just as uh, they're just bragging as well. So this is what this is a statement they put out. They said Leo Burnett Taylor made found a unique way to contribute photography of adventure destinations to their respective Wikipedia articles while achieving the goal of elevating those images in search rankings. We're always looking for creative ways to meet customers where they are. We've since learned that this effort worked counter to Wikipedia's community guidelines. Understanding the issue, we've ended the campaign. Our team has further accepted an invitation by Wikipedia to learn more about the platform and their work to share unbiased, fact-based knowledge. We look forward to working with Wikipedia to engage with them and with respect to their network of volunteer editors better in the future. Um, I, I really wish they wouldn't say what a great campaign this was in the beginning of that apology. Yeah, and it's a long apology. Yeah. And the, I think the too long didn't read version is, oops, we got caught, sorry. Yeah. The, I do get, like, from a, a non, I, I'm not from an advertising background. I mm-hmm. think that it's a, it was clever. I think they got some ink out of it. They did a, they got people talking about them. So yeah, yeah. sure, they're able to go to other clients and say, see, we think outside the box. Yeah. The, if I were in the room with him, I would have pushed up the, we did wrong, Yeah. but we're still going to always lean forward. We're going to fail fast. We're going to put an imprint on the wall as we run into yeah. it because that's what they're trying, what they're trying to tell through press and through these statements, they're trying to tell potential customers that we're going to take risks on your behalf. Um, but yeah. what they didn't do, this is where they missed the opportunity in it is they made that video all about North face, not about Burnett. Yeah. So North face was in the position of having to course correct on it, right. which isn't good client service. Right. They put their client in a position where they need, where the client needed to respond on behalf of the agency, oh, right, which right. you, in, in all my years in communications, I always said, and I come from a political background staff should never be the story yeah that's a good point it just it just irritates me that thinking that they might get more business from screwing over their client in this particular way well i think i do think that a, a thoughtful client will look through it and will be will will see through it for what it is i don't think they did i think they did it for the the apology was written in the way that it was written for business reasons mm-hmm. but i don't think that it was done all that effectively great well, thank you for coming in, Mike. It's Thanks for been, having uh, me. I love I, your perspective on these things. I like the little studio too. Yeah, yeah thank you. And um, yeah, just hand, had, uh, hand the headset. I will up. hand these back. <laughs> and then and then next time, uh, we hope to have you in whenever there's some PR-related disaster going on. Perfect. Thanks, Mike. Welcome back, Rachel. Hello, hello. I was standing by back to chat about This Week in Paid, This Week in Organic, etc etc what is our transition music this week jess well, let's get uh let's get right to it wow you can really dance oh wow wow you can really dance you know this one no i he don't went. oh my god he went they said we've both been dancing all this time what a coincidence so apparently rachel has thousands of followers on tiktok and doesn't even know the most basic of dance memes i don't know this one it's very german though yeah it is uh, I'll have to educate you. It's like one of the classic OG TikTok memes. And by OG, it's like four months old. <laughs> <laughs> Typical. Um, we got some talk to, stuff to talk about in organic. So 
If you guys have been on Instagram in the past week, you've probably seen this awful image circulating on your um, not-so-savvy brands or not-so-savvy influencers you follow. Mm -hmm. It's this white image, and it says, Test! Instagram has changed its algorithm, so only 10% of followers see see our posts. If you see this post, please like and comment, yes. This helps with algorithm, and you will start seeing posts again. So it's not written correctly. It's not like proper grammar. But anyway, this is a variation of a lot of posts that we've seen in the past where people are not understanding how the the Instagram algorithm works. Mm -hmm. The same thing happens on Facebook where sometimes reach can be very, very low on certain platforms, especially if you don't provide engaging content. So people are seeing low reach. They're not seeing the type of engagement that they saw maybe two years ago after after the algorithm changed. And, um... They're basically saying, hey, pay attention to me. I want your likes again. And right. then and then once people actively like, you know, start liking, liking and commenting again, it'll p- pump back into their feed. Right. But and we see a lot of problems with this. Right. And there's really no official information on algorithm changes or how the algorithm works. So there's not when there's no official information, people are looking for any kernel yeah. of how does it work? And it's very easy to manipulate people. Yeah. To me, this is misinformation. It says Instagram has changed its algorithm. That makes it seem like Instagram changed its algorithm two days ago, where in reality it was like at the end of 2017, where right. it really went for in back into like the engagement-based non-chronological order. So that that's the first part is that this is misinformation. The second part is this is just people who are lazy this is a lazy way to get engagement it's if your content is not engaging if it's boring right but i have heard conversations um of a lot of different people that said they feel like the algorithm is changed or has gotten worse and um they feel like that because their posts aren't performing as well or they're not getting the reach and a lot of this is hard to – it's hard to talk to these people because all the information they have is subjective and 100% anecdotal yeah. based on – Their own – it's all their own account. Right. So it, it's hard to say whether they're wrong or they're, or they're right. But what we've seen is generally if you're doing the same thing over and over again, um, as long as there's more people joining the platform and more posts – you're going to have to compete harder to do it mm-hmm. well. I think compete is the key word here. This is not 2010 where Instagram, anything you post gets a good, gets yeah. 100% reach and all of your likes of all of your followers. You have to compete against the best of the best, people who are incredibly interesting and are putting out cool content every day. So if you're not doing that and like what you said, you're posting the same sort of photo or if you're not you know, playing with stories or playing with carousels or video or boomerangs, then you're out of the game. Yeah, I mean, um, I know anecdotally, I know people that are working it, are testing new things. They're seeing reach of 80 to 100% mm-hmm. um, and killing it, and people hate them for it. But it's <laughs> like you you need to constantly be testing not, not just new things, but like what your audience is into because your audience will tire of the same stuff as well. I think that's where we also get into the idea of being results focused. I think a lot of these sort of lazy accounts are not focusing on what the actual results are at the end of the day when they're not seeing that, oh, this post got 80% more reach, this one got 20% less reach. How can I, you know, use that in the future to make my content better and better and constantly course correcting? You're not seeing a lot of that. Yeah. 
So, um, enough of this organic stuff. Let's talk, uh, let's talk paid for a bit. He went. He went. They said we've both been dancing it's a dance? all this time. What a coincidence. It is a dance, yeah. On Tuesday, we found that, um, big news, Instagram uh, now lets advertisers actually boost or promote um, organic branded content on Instagram. So what that means is when an influencer does branded content, when they do this sort of the handshake thing on Facebook where you um, you work with a brand to to do that branded content, the advertiser can now boost that and they, they can promote it. And it will show up in Ads Manager and will be uh, manipulatable by Ads Manager, which is for, fantastic from my perspective that right. you can actively like see the impressions, you can manage the spend. That's, that's a fantastic change. Um, and it also is helpful since it's it's completely um it looks completely organic in your feed well not completely organic it says paid partnership with whatever the brand is but it really helps that authenticity yeah um yeah i've been thinking a lot about this i mean we used to have really janky ways of of doing this and to make this easier is going to make our lives a a lot easier but one of the big impacts that i think this will have is on medium to small size influencers sure because when you work with an influencer you get two things you get their own authenticity, and you get their audience size. Mm-hmm. So if a lot of times you you don't work with small influencers because you don't want to work with someone that's got uh, 2,000 or, or even 10,000 followers, might be too small for your reach or your budget. And you want to work with these big people, and the big people charge more. So I oh, think that's interesting. what can happen now is these smaller people, you can work with them, you still get their authenticity, and they'll shoot the cool photo and whatever, and it looks legit, but now you can boost that to how how many people you mm-hmm. want. Yeah, the way I think about this is that you can you can now control the value that you're getting out of it. Mm-hmm. So you know, oh, I'm going to pay this amount of money for one post from one influencer. Right. And you can see, oh, I want I, I want to put X amount of media spend behind that because I know how much I paid for that influencer equals how many impressions I want it to get. Right. And you control what those impressions are rather than relying on their random follower count in their reach rates, which might be inaccurate or might be fraudulent as well. They could be buying likes, they could be buying followers. So to me, this is a brand safety um, mechanism. Yeah. If you, I mean, previously you worked with an influencer and let's say you paid like $10,000. Um, you don't know what you're going to get. Maybe that was worth it. Maybe that worked. Maybe it didn't work. But but now, um, if you work with an influencer and you pay $10,000 and it works really well, you can continue to put money into that. Yeah, exactly. Um, or if, if But it, what happens, how do you contract that, I guess? Like in your contract with your influencer, I guess it would have to be written this way, but it's like sometimes it's only for an X amount of time or how it's ne- now it seems like it's not just one post anymore because it's not one post to their followers yeah. but it's one post to an exponential amount of people that might be difficult to to work out in a contract it might be yeah i mean contract stuff is certainly changing with influencers as well and it really depends on the size of the influencer yeah um, large influencers will have their own legal team look at it as well that's true well yeah, yeah big deal so um and now we're going to move on to a segment called Maybe we were wrong about. He went. He went. They said we've both been dancing all this time. What a coincidence. This video is so good. Um, <laughs> what were we all wrong about? I mean, besides everything. So I've been, I've been thinking a lot about planning. Planning campaigns. Planning for... That sounds boring. <laughs> 
And the next segment. Uh, <laughs> um, no, I'm sure there's planners listening to this. Well, planning is a big. There's a planner doing this podcast right now. We oh. well, there's two. Jess and I are both plan. Yeah, we plan things. We're boring. <laughs> so um, we be, we be doing we plan on the organic side. We plan on the paid side. It's very different types of planning. But what we found is a lot of times, most of the time, the planning doesn't work out. Yeah. For example, if we're doing a paid campaign, there's so many inputs and outputs and so many things that happen and we'll create these sort of flow charts that look very complicated and, and trying to read them is like trying to diffuse a bomb or something. But once we put it into practice, it's like two weeks in, we're like, all right, how can we blow this up and um, make it better. Yeah, I, it. I think that's the thing. Just you're making it sound like we don't know what we're doing. This is more like you're optimizing. You're you're realizing you're taking in the information of what's working and what's not working, and you're and you're fixing you're you're fixing your course correcting. You're improving the if it's an organic, you're improving your results, or and if it's paid, you're figuring out different audiences and what's working best and which creative is working, and that's. That's what's changing. Well, so so if we're optimizing, how much value is in the initial planning? What if we just didn't plan? But then all? you wouldn't have anywhere to start. You do need to have somewhere to start. And I think you do need to have an educated guess of where to start, mm -hmm. which is what we provide. Yeah. Because uh, otherwise you're just shooting in the dark and that's what that's what time is that's where time is wasted. Yeah. I think the other thing that people do, it's almost like there's more planning on on the organic side. Because I feel like when people plan an, an organic campaign, they they outlay of what they hope will happen. Usually that that doesn't happen. But we have a client now where we set we, we wanted to do like seven posts, and we set out what the seven posts were and, and where we wanted to go. But after post one, it's like this is changed. It's not it, well, it was better, but sometimes it could be worse. But it's also like there are these new opportunities that come in each week. So now we we do the planning in like weekly chunks now. But that's only because. Social is social and people can comment and people can like and that's where you're getting your feedback from. I mean, you, you, can't, you can't know how people will respond to your campaign or your first post until it's, until it's finally done. And that, that's where you make a change. Yeah, but I rarely see campaigns that are built, about, built around responding to the whims of the organic campaign. Yeah, you're right. They just follow follow the content calendar. Yeah, exactly. And we're going to flog this hashtag for whatever, even if people don't like it, because we've already made a bunch of assets for mm, it. Yeah. You definitely see a lot of that. Or they completely, and instead of course correcting, they just cut it off. Yeah. That we see that happening too. They, they immediately, you know, just stop and then have to like retreat. Right. You don't want either of that. Yeah. Um, a good example is, of good and bad is the Vita Coco thing, which we talked about a few weeks ago, where they put out this thing and then an influencer with 100,000 things responded to it. They jumped on that and then they stopped. Yeah, right. Exactly. It's, it was really bizarre. Um, so planning, yay or nay? <laughs> I say yay. Yay to start, but also be receptive and flexible to change. That's so important, especially that social moves so fast and, and you are relying on the responses of your followers and of your subscribers, you have to change. You have to be flexible. Right. All right, so moving on to uh, one of my favorite segments, explain that tweet. He went, he went. They said we've both been dancing all this time. What a coincidence. I think that I need to see the video 
of this transition music mm. to really understand what's going on. Yeah, because I Because right now I, I'm in the dark. TikTok memes are not an audio experience. <laughs> now that <laughs> is for sure. Okay, Jess, explain that tweet. Um, so we put out a tweet the other day that said basically it was like check mark Facebook data plus check mark Instagram experience plus X mark one click purchase. These are three aspects of the e-commerce um, infinity gauntlet and Zuckerberg is almost there. And essentially what this means and what is on my mind a lot is um, Facebook and well Zuckerberg is trying to do e-commerce. He's trying to do it on all the platforms. Um, you but try now to, and now mobile e-commerce. Yeah, but now mobile e-commerce, particularly within Instagram. Yeah. And so you can like Instagram on the Explore tab has like a shopping thing and you can get into it and you can find stuff. And Facebook is, has so much data on you. It knows what purses you think are cute. And, it does. And the, the experience and the headspace of when you're in Instagram, you you are ready to shop. The experience is um, it's well, clean. Well, not necessarily. Maybe not in feed. I mean, you could be in feed now more than ever, especially on the Discover page where they have the shopping tab. Mm -hmm. and, and the experience of shopping is it's it's good. It's like it looking is. at a big selection of things and they all look nice because they're all on Instagram. So it has the data, it has the experience, but what they haven't nailed or which isn't rolled out is the one click or drastically easy way to purchase. And I feel right. like once they have that, then Instagram shopping is going to be like a major force to compete with. So direct purchase is a thing though, but it's only for top brands right now. It was rolled out in like April, um, but it's only like H&M and like Kylie Jenner and Nike. Mm -hmm. So little brands and medium-sized brands can't use it yet, but, and it does have um, some fee associated with it. I can't remember, or maybe it isn't even, isn't even disclosed because it's only big brands right now, but there is a fee for direct purchase. And once that's like, comparable to Amazon's one-click thing, yep. the game is going to be changed. Because I actually had this experience recently. I bought my first item on Instagram. Mm -hmm. It's a dinosaur two-piece outfit. <laughs> it's kind of like a romper. Have you ever talked about it yet? I feel I've, like I've heard about it like I've told times. Jess like five times because I'm very excited about it. It's I'll let you guys know when it comes in. Um, but the experience was awful. So clearly it worked. It got served to me and, it, and I liked the item. So Facebook data, check. Instagram experience, check. It looked nice. They, they had a nice photo of it. It was in a good carousel um, and it was in my feed, you know, the right sort of mindset. So Instagram experience, check. One, one click purchase, X, 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 So bad. I actually had to... I had to leave my phone and go onto my computer to like actually type in all of my information and do my credit card and everything. Mm -hmm. And it was terrible. I actually had the experience where I put in my information, my shipping information, but I, I didn't put in my credit card information yet. And then they sent me an, e the company sent me an email and said, your item is about to ship. You can buy it like when the mailman comes to your door. And I'm like, what is even going on? It was a, just yeah, an awful right. experience all around. So this once this is figured out, it's going to be, how you say, infinity gauntlet? The infinity gauntlet, yeah. yeah. So, and, and this is actually really sm smart for Zuckerberg to lead with Instagram because everyone knows that Amazon is dominating the world in terms of e-commerce. But shopping on Amazon feels like you're 
doing research. It's not. Yes, that's exactly it's like work. what it's like. It it's, is like It's work. easy to buy yeah. for sure. Um, but it's not like, it's not, it's not something you do totally casually. I mean, right. you, um, so this is, this is a great way for Zuckerberg to compete with Amazon. Um, and I'm sure they're thinking. You know, what's a pet that. peeve of mine when people call Facebook and Instagram Zuckerberg? Like, it's not just him. It's like saying, it's like, what's her name? Sarah Sandberg. It's like saying, Sandberg is trying to get mobile e-commerce. Well, to be fair, he has most of the voting rights. So <laughs> what he says goes. Okay, well, just, you know, pet peeve of mine. <laughs> <laughs> what, should, what should I call it? The Zuckernet? Facebook. What else would you call it? But then I have to say Facebook slash Instagram because they're different. You know, well, but they're all bought by Facebook. Well, I can't say Facebook because we're talking about Instagram. Can we move on? So (laughs) moving on, um, getting down to it, we have the rant wheel. He went. He went. They said we've both been dancing all this time. What a coincidence. Okay. Rant wheel. Let's go through. We've added some new ones this time. This is a fan favorite. First is Hootsuite. Then we'll get to you. <laughs> automatic placements. And those are on Facebook slash Instagram. Zuckerberg's <laughs> entity. Um, e-commerce hustlers part two. We've already ranted about them. We're coming back for more. Um, buying likes in the scandal that that is. People who say right, right. And deceptive coworkers. Just put that in without what? me knowing. So no. I don't really know what that one is. You can remove that. Okay. All right. Let's spin the rant wheel and see what we get. Okay. <laughs> What's it going to be? Random rant wheel? E-commerce hustlers part dos. Wow. No idea that would get chosen. <laughs> so um the first time we talked about e-commerce hustlers we were irritated they don't go away and basically i'm still irritated yeah likewise. let's get fired up likewise so th- there's not there's not a lot of great sources of high-end information in, in e-commerce or even just social in general but one of the sources is the so-called experts on twitter they tweet about their results how to do this and that. And I will say, most of the time, these people have great information. Jess and I are certainly part of this community. It's a great place to exchange ideas and ask questions, get advice. But we do see um, this sort of e-commerce hustler behavior many times. Yeah, and and the behavior we're talking about is um, just straight misogyny and um, very exclusionary. There's a lot of gatekeeping going mm-hmm. on. Um so, and I and I occasionally do respond to these people. One one person was talking about like eating meat all the time, and I asked them, "Can I? Can you do e-commerce if you're vegan?" And they were like, "No, you can't, obviously." What? Because <laughs> this is what they do. <laughs> but um, that's just a joke, right? No, they're serious. They they hate vegans. They hate Hillary Clinton. They hate women in general. Are these just like alpha males? They're like, was it like red pill ish? They're posing as alpha males. They're not really. <laughs> so um, one example is one of them posted a tweet said, starting an e-com and pickup podcast called Niches and Bitches. Oh, my God. What do you think, what do you think about I that one, Rachel? I have to go. <laughs> a e-com and pickup. So this is like 
I'm going to tell you about CPAs, and I'm also going to tell you about how to get gals. Yeah, exactly. Wow. I should be a guest. (laughs) (laughs) Can we make that happen? I think I need that to happen. We'll make that work. But it's just just so frustrating because anytime you respond to these people, their audience is made up of people that like that. So anytime you respond and be like, hey, you know, can you chill on the misogyny? You get sort of ganged up on from all these other bros, bros, um, and sad little boys as well. You know, it's frustrating just because the, this industry, the ad buying industry in particular is very male dominated and that sort of bro culture is very prominent and it just makes it sort of similar to the STEM world where it just makes you feel like you're not welcome there. Yeah. And not ideal. It's it's clear that these because there are people that do it right, like ads alchemist. You never see that type of stuff. No, yeah, they're awesome. So it's it's very clear when when you see this because you know that they either have real clients um, or have no clients or fake clients. Because if you have real clients, this is not anything that this content is not anything that a real client would be receptive to or. Mm-hmm. Um, want you talking about them or anything like that. Right, exactly. It's like, why would you cut out all the female CEOs or, or directors by doing this type of stuff? What a weird ego, like, problem. Right. So it's clear that they, they don't have real clients. They have a bunch of beta males who are <laughs> <laughs> looking for to sell their niches in Axe Body Spray as well. You know. Uh, I really hope we don't get... <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Well, that uh, I think we do have to do our faith segment. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. All right, uh, let's get into our favorite segment. Um, Plug your ears. He went. He went. They said we've both been dancing all this time. What a coincidence! Yeah, you know I don't like this one either. Why? You just got to get better at picking them, maybe. Oh I have refined taste. You know why you don't like it? Because you don't know it. Okay. It's so cute. and Okay. It doesn't sound cute. It sounds <laughs> I know. not cute. I know. You're right. Okay. Maybe I should only do ones that sound cute and are cute. Okay. Now you're getting it. Okay. Um, so, you guys, we've got a lot of things to plug. We've officially, fish a fish launched Nail.Social, our website. It has all of our info on it. We also are happy to be putting out our Nail Social Insider, our newsletter for you guys. It's got some premium content in there. Um, our social channels, Nail Social, and this podcast, of course. Mm-hmm. And we're really excited about the Nail Social Insider, particularly because, as we talked about earlier, it's hard to find top-level expert advice in social. Yeah. So a lot of the things we do are a response to our own problems, challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, so we actually wanted to put out some high-level stuff that's not like, how do you set up your Insta ads or whatever. Yeah, it's definitely not the 101 sort of content. It's not – you don't Google Facebook ads and then it's going to be like all of the Hootsuite right. and, you know, buffer information. It's not that. Yeah, so we want to do stuff that's – that's very um, tactical for high-level operators. Um, some opportunities that people can get into that we don't talk about on the on the podcast as well. So if you go to the website nail.social, you'll find a button for it. It's also nail.social slash insider. Give yourselves a sign up. It's pretty uh, sweet. All right. I think that 
wraps up our show. Stay tuned for the after show where we bring in intern Alexia. Yeah, fun, fun. And the song should start right about... All right, we've got Alexia in the house. Hello, everyone. <laughs> I just wanted to chat for a minute or two about who you are and what you're doing here this summer and how you're going to help out with NAIL. Yeah, of course. So my name is Alexia. I am a recent URI graduate, and I am now the intern for NAIL Social. Mm-hmm. So we've, you know, we've gotten started. Uh, we jumped right into it here at NAIL, and I've been helping with the podcast. I've been doing some R&D, and I'm loving it all so far. Jess and Rachel are definitely amazing. Um, do you have any dirt? dirt. <laughs> Let's just get right into dirt. it. <laughs> no, okay, so Alexia is one of, are there four interns? Yes, I believe there's four of us. Alexia is one of four interns over here at Nail, Nail Proper, the full nail. Uh, she is the only Nail social intern, so we are biased in thinking she's the best. I mean, but- even if I wasn't, <laughs> even if I wasn't just social, I mean... But have you met the rest of the interns? I've only met Matt. Okay. I've only met one of them, but he's pretty cool. All right. Yeah, so no in, dirt yet. No dirt. No dirt. Any we dirt? We do have a little group chat going on that Jess actually set up for us. <laughs> so the minute we have some dirt, I will let you guys know. Oh my gosh. We'll bring you back once once the dirt arrives. Awesome. <laughs> okay. So Alexia, you just graduated from URI. I did. What did you study? Marketing. Textile marketing, to be exact. So that's interesting to me. Textile, so you said it's like, it's fashion. Pretty much, yeah. So we take fashion and marketing, obviously, and we combine the two. So we kind of just figure out how to market within the fashion industry. Mm. So do you do any, like, fashion stuff on social at all? Are you, like, doing outfits of the day? No. No? Personally, no. No? She gave me the worst look just now. (laughs) (laughs) Personally, no. Um, We definitely did some of those things Mm -hmm. in you know some of our classes but on my own time no but you do have your insta for food right do everyone go follow that (laughs) it is come eat with cosme c-o-s-m-e yeah so so alexia does have her experience with insta and she's on there and is um a social maverick as we are (laughs) um okay cool um and alexia do you have any um any questions for us, I guess, before, like, I will go along. <laughs> I think we'll like to bring you in every few weeks and, like, get your take on on Nail Social as a whole. I think that'll be an, an, a helpful educational tool. Right. Curious I, if you I have any. I think it would be interesting yeah. to get the view of someone who is new to all of this. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So, Especially since we're trying to trying to reach people from like layman's terms and trying to reach people at a lower level, but also at a high level and tactically. So, yeah. Right. And maybe I could even give like some advice for people who are wondering how to get started. Absolutely. Kind of just like how I am getting started. Absolutely. And what I did and all the steps that I took. Mm-hmm. So. And you're learning. Yeah. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, let's do it. All right, so we'll be sure to bring Alexia back, um, if especially if you guys are interested. But uh, I you think that's be. yeah, you better be. <laughs> but on. I think that's the after show for now. Thank you guys for listening, and uh, we'll be back next week. See you later.